The title of the message this morning is Keep On Growing. Please say that with me, Keep On Growing. And as a way of introduction, I'd like to say, listen very carefully, that followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, I believe should be people who keep on growing. Think about that. We need to keep on making progress. God does not want us to stagnate. We need to keep on moving forward. And I trust that what I'm going to share this morning, that it will be an encouragement to you to look at your own life, see how you're doing in terms of your passion to grow, and that it would stir and spur on your heart to grow in a greater way. If you are to look at yourself now, compare yourself to two years ago, can you say that there has been growth? I trust that there has been. You should have grown in terms of your self-control, in terms of the fruit of the Spirit, in terms of being more of a kind person, in in terms of the uh, principles that we see God calling us to in the Word of God. There should be forward movement. Now, I'd like to direct you to arguably one of the best passages in the Bible that deals with the subject of Christian growth. Would you like to have a look at a passage like that? We find it in 2 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 5 to 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Mostly, I just focus on the New King James Version, but uh, for this particular passage, the NLT put it so well. And that's the one I'm sharing with you. You can follow in your Bibles or on the screen. It says the following. It says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now verse 8 is very important. It says, the more you grow like this. Would you say the word grow? The more you grow like this. We're talking about keep on growing this morning. The more you grow like this the more productive and useful, I would like to add in the word fruitful, (laughs) productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop, in other words, those that don't want to grow in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Let me tell you, when you think about the fact that you have been cleansed from your old life, from your sins, through the blood of Jesus, through coming to faith in Christ, that should continually spur you on to becoming more like Jesus. Because you realize, God took me out of muck and out of darkness. He set my feet on a rock. He took me out of darkness, brought me into his marvelous life. I must never lose sight of the fact of what Jesus has done. That in itself will help you to grow, remembering from where you have come. 
Now, do you see a pattern of growth that is expressed here? On the next slide, this pattern of growth, we highlight it a little bit. And um, these are kind of steps for growth. Firstly, it starts off with fundamental faith. Let's go to the next slide, please. Goes on to faith. Now, this is where it begins. And uh, are we working with me there? Songboard, let's go to the next slide, please. All right, let's not give them a pressure moment right here. <laughs> I'll just keep moving on. We'll get there momentarily. But there is a pattern of growth expressed here, and I would put this as steps of growth. Now, firstly, according to the scripture passage that we've just read, essentially, you have faith. Now, what is happening here is Peter is writing to the followers of Jesus, and he is expecting that you already have faith. He's writing to a community of believers. They don't need to first find faith. They have found faith. And I believe that for 99% of the people in the sound of my voice right now, you have found faith in Jesus Christ. But then it says that to your faith, you need to add, what's the next thing? Moral excellence. What's moral excellence? It's actually goodness. And then you need to add to that knowledge and keep on growing and add self-control. Keep on growing, add patient endurance. Keep on growing, add godliness, and then you grow and develop and add brotherly affection, and then you add love for one another. So here we see essentially seven character traits which we should strive for. And I want to say to you, believer in Jesus Christ, you want to grow in these areas if you're a Bible-believing Christian. These areas I must grow in. These areas you must grow in according to the word of God. And it's not as though we finish one area and then only start on the next one. For instance, finishing uh, patient endurance. And only when you're done with that, do you go on to the next thing. And then one day when you're old and in your 80s, only then do you start to finally work on love. No, no, no. That's not what it means. Because these are things that we are actually working on all at the same time. And maybe right now in your life, you focusing on developing in self-control. Maybe somebody else is focusing on developing in brotherly love. And you know you've got issues in your heart regarding that. And, and you needing to develop in that area. So these are things that we develop and work on them all at once. And so what's very clear is, for me at least, as I read this passage of Scripture is that Peter, the apostle, was basically saying that followers of Jesus Christ are people that should never stop growing. And I want to say that to you, let it sink in a little bit today. You and I as believers are people that should never stop growing. It's not a case of, well, you come to a point where you've read your Bible through from cover to cover and now you stop growing. No, no. This is something that continues. We must continually become more and more like Jesus. I want to tell you, folks, this is a lifelong journey. It's something that we will continue forever, and it never stops until one day we see Jesus face to face. And you know what? All the growing effectively stops then because we are made perfectly in His likeness, and we become like Him. Isn't it going to be an incredible moment 
incredible moment. We shall be like him. That's what the scripture says. And so listen to this. You and I need to be committed to seeing the characteristics that we see in the nature of God being experienced in our lives. And you know what happens then? People around about you start to say, they might use different words, but they might, uh, they start to say, you're looking like Jesus. They might just say like, how can you just forgive that person? Or how can you be so kind? Or how can you handle that without getting upset? And basically they are identifying that you are becoming more and more like the nature of the one that you serve. I heard about a father who read this passage uh, from 2 Peter chapter 1. He read it to his sons, and he changed the different words for Bible characters to help them understand a little bit better. And this is how it reads. It's on your screen. It says, add to your faith the virtue or courage of David. And to the courage of David, the knowledge of Solomon. And to the knowledge of Solomon, the patience of Job. And to the patience of Job, the godliness of Daniel. And to the godliness of Daniel, the brotherly kindness of Jonathan. And to the brotherly kindness of Jonathan, the love of John. Isn't that so beautiful? Basically taking Bible characters that exemplified those character traits and saying, okay, let those be examples for a kid. That's a great way of understanding the scripture. Now, I have a couple of points, five points that I'd like to share with you this morning. And some of them I will move through quite quickly. But number one, we need to have an enthusiasm to grow and it should be contagious. Please say that with me. We need to have an enthusiasm to grow, and it needs to be contagious. Recently, a well-respected pastor, he posted a, uh, a post on our uh, Facebook page, and he said the following. This was to us as a church. He said, your willingness to grow is contagious to many. Keep on going. Hmm. Now, we certainly don't want to boast. We give the Lord all the glory. At the same time, I was touched by that statement from a well-respected pastor. And basically, he was saying, listen, guys, I see in your church community that there's a moving forward. There's a, there's a passion. There's a desire to grow. And I was blessed by that because if we are really encountering the living God, then there should be growth. And then people should find our walk with the Lord contagious. And so we don't want to stagnate here at Choose Life. No, sir. We want to seek God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the fire and the passion should be contagious. Amen? But now, let me say this. Sadly, I have discovered that, listen, some Christians don't really want to grow. Maybe you can think of a Christian friend or a Christian family member. And sometimes you're thinking, well, you're seeking God yourself and you wish they would just get switched on for God. You wish that they would just begin to grow. And I believe that God is not pleased when people choose mediocrity that have committed their lives to Jesus. 
It's sad when people say they don't want to grow. They just want to be comfortable. They just want to get their monthly salary and live a hassle-free life. And it's like, devil, I won't bother you, and you please don't bother me, and we're all just going to drink tea together and have a hassle-free life. But you know what, folks? That is not true Christian living. That's not what I see in the lives of the believers in the New Testament. That's not true discipleship. You know what the Bible says? It says, fight the good fight of faith. And so lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fights. And I want to say to you that there's some people under the sound of my voice today, you need to get your fight back. And I declare over you in Jesus' name that you coming out of that complacency, I prophesy over you by the power of the Spirit, get your fight back in Jesus' name. Reject that, con- that uh, complacency. And some of you need to begin to fight again. The enemy's been running roughshod over you, and you've got to say, no, this is not going to happen. I'm going to fight to grow. I'm going to fight to develop. And I'm going to see everything. I'm going to lay hold of everything for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. But I want to tell you, you need to get a bit of a fighting spirit back. When the enemy comes to try to steal, steal your joy in your family, you know, get on your case. You need to get your fight back. And I want to tell you, the Bible says that you submit to God and you resist the devil. He will flee. Tell the person next to you, get your fight back. Tell them that. Get your fight back. And yes, there will come a time in heaven when we will enjoy pleasures forevermore. But that's in heaven. And until then, you and I are in training. We are in training for reigning, that we will reign with Christ Jesus forevermore. But now's the time of growth. Now's the time of developing. Now's the time of being trained and developed by the Lord. And so realize this, that folks, we are not called to lukewarm living. We're called to be on fire for Jesus. There is something about fire that is attractive. When people see a campfire, what do they want to do? They want to go stand around it and enjoy it. When people see the fire of God burning in a believer's life, they find it attractive and they want to come talk to you or they want to find out where do you get this or or where do you fellowship and so on because fire is attractive. It was one of the Wesley brothers that said daily, I set myself ablaze with the spirit and people come and watch me burn. People are watching if you are burning. Some people need to begin to burn, begin to grow more. But here's the thing I've discovered about fire is that you have to keep adding wood. Uh, As a family, we love to sometimes break away to the bush felt. And it's so nice when you can get that wooden fire going in the evening. You come back from your game viewing. Oh, this is lacquer. I enjoy this. You come back from your game viewing and you get that wooden fire going and you sit there and you enjoy it. But the thing is, you have to keep on feeding to fire. (laughs) You have to keep on adding pieces of wood. Otherwise, and let me tell you, one of the reasons why you're here today is I believe because you want to grow. And coming to church is one of the ways of adding wood to your fire. Worshiping like we did this morning, one of the ways of adding wood to your fire so that you can burn. There needs to be an enthusiasm to grow, and it should be contagious. Dr. David Molapo says, if you're not growing, you're dying. Hmm. Let me ask you this question in your heart of hearts. Uh, Would you like to grow? 
Because if you would like to grow, then I want to suggest that you set your heart on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage means that you are choosing to journey with God. You're not just saying, I've arrived and I'm staying right where I am. Set your heart on pilgrimage, choosing to journey with God. In other words, choosing growth. Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Journeying with God. We're in a journey. 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, Grow. Would you please say the word grow? Grow. The next scripture you can bring up. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Part of the Christian life is that we grow. We certainly don't stagnate. Number two, people with a passion to grow tend to go places. Think about that for a moment. You could even uh, apply this to the marketplace, to the working environment. Maybe people uh, in your company, you see people who have a passion and enthusiasm to grow, and what happens as a result of that, oftentimes they would get promoted. (laughs) Because the people higher up in the organization, they see these people have got passion. They want to grow. Sometimes people are overlooked for promotion because they stop growing. They stop reading those articles. They stop developing. They stop reading books, and they, they simply stagnate. And then we wonder why we don't get promoted. But a growing person is the first person that will be chosen to be promoted. Now, we see in the Bible, Peter, James, and John, I I don't want to say they were promoted, but in a sense, they got to experience things that some of the other 12 disciples did not experience. And we know through Scripture that Peter, James, and John, they were seen as something of what? What? Like an inner circle. They, they were hungry. Peter, James, and Don, John pressed in a little deeper, and as a result, they experienced more. And do you know that those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, let me tell you this, that they were included in some truly significant moments with Jesus. One of those moments was when Jesus went to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter was dead in the room. And Jesus went in. He chased out the people who had no faith. And you know who he took in with him? Peter, James, and John. Because they tend to grow, to, to go places. Hungry people. People want to grow. And so maybe they had more faith than some of the others. And there they were taken right into that room when Jesus called that young girl to life. And she arose from the dead. And they got to experience it. Another example is that when uh, Peter, James, and John were taken with Jesus up onto the mountain where Jesus was transfigured and looked completely supernatural before their eyes. And the Bible says that Jesus shone brighter than the sun. What an awesome moment to be in that. And it was who? Peter, James, and John that were present there. One other example is that they, those three, went with Jesus in Gethsemane, deeper into the garden of Gethsemane, to a secluded spot where they went in order to pray with Jesus. Although Jesus appears to be a, a little way off from them, but they were closer than the rest of the disciples. You know what I find interesting? This was Jesus' darkest hour. And in his darkest hour, who did he want with him? 
Peter, James, and John. Wow. And so I want to tell you, if you have a hunger to grow, opportunities will open up in front of you. And so I believe the reason why those three disciples were included is because they had passion and hunger. And quite frankly, you just couldn't keep them away. If you think of Peter and other stories in the Bible, you just couldn't exclude this dude. Jesus wants to wash his feet and Peter says, God, wash everything. I want the full valet service, you know. You just couldn't keep Peter away. He's a hungry guy. And let me tell you, Matthew 5 verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Peter, James, and John were people like that. Will you be somebody that hungers? I want to grow. Thirsts, I want to grow. Now, point number three, eight indicators that you are heading for stagnation. There are, I believe, certain indicators that you can look out for. And if you start seeing any of these indicators you could potentially be in danger of beginning to stagnate. Number one, decreased desire for the things of God. Number two, shortage of Bible reading, prayer, and worship. Number three, onset of isolation. Number four, living for yourself more than for God. Number five, priorities beginning to slip. Number six, increased metabolism. Just kidding, making sure you are listening. <laughs> Increased materialism. The next one, number seven, lowering of moral standards. You wouldn't no normally talk that way, but suddenly you, you just start to use some unclean words. Could be the onset of stagnation. And lastly, sin, when suddenly you begin to, to allow yourself to do things that you didn't do in the past. And I wanna tell you, these are signs of stagnation. But I want to tell you, stagnation, child of God, is not the life that we want to live. Amen. We want to live the life that God has promised. He says, I have come that you may have life with advantage, that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And the abundant life is a growing life. Won't you say that to the person next to you? The abundant life is a growing life. Amen. Now, by the way, when I say, say something to the person next to you, I actually mean it. Okay, let's try that again. Say to the person next to you, the growing, sorry, the abundant life is a growing life. Wonderful, wonderful. Number four, take responsibility for your growth. Own it. Please say that out loud with me. Take responsibility for your growth. Own it. It is clear, according to Scripture, now listen carefully, that God has given you everything you need for a godly life. The Bible says we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, but we must make sure that we cultivate and develop that godliness. God has made it available to us, but we have to grow in that which He has made available. And let me tell you, God is not going to force holiness upon you. He's not going to force sanctification upon you. That actually could be quite nice if he did. <laughs> but he's not going to force it upon you. He is wanting your consent. 
He is wanting you to work together with him so that he can make you more and more like himself, so that you can become more and more like Jesus. But in order for you and me to work together with God in growing, we need to bring three things to the table. Number one, desire. Number two, determination. And number three, discipline. Maybe you could say that these are the three Ds, the three three dimensional aspect of growth. This is what you need to bring. God is purposing to develop you, but you need to bring desire. You need to bring determination, and also you need to bring discipline. Now, around this whole aspect of growth, I'm just thinking of the responsibility aspect. Let me ask you this, a very simple question, and I don't believe that everybody gets this right. The question is this, who is responsible for your growth? I heard one or two people saying, Jesus. That's always the right answer in a Sunday school, by the way. Jesus, Jesus. Who is responsible for your growth? Is it your pastor? Is it your life group leader? Is it your mentor? Is it your counselor? And I want to say to you, no, no, no. All of those people can help. But I want to tell you loud and clear, sir, ma'am, you are responsible for your spiritual growth. And I believe that something is sinking in with some people today when they're realizing it for the first time, that you actually have to say, I'm responsible for my passion. I'm responsible for my spiritual growth. And yes, I realize that ultimately God develops us. Yes, praise God. But you and I have to cooperate. We have to cooperate. How do we cooperate? By having desire, determination, and discipline. Let me tell you something interesting. Somebody came to see me in my office in the last couple of weeks, and, and we were having a chat together, and during the course of the conversation, this person was trying to suggest to me that the reason he wasn't growing was because I wasn't growing him. <laughs> True story. I was quite puzzled when the person said this to me. Let me give a biblical response. I think of the parable of the talents. The master gave five, two, and one talent to the three different uh, servants. And let me ask you this, who was responsible for the growth of those talents? It was the individual servant. Hmm. The servant had to grow the talents. And you know, the master even left. He wasn't there like coaching, okay. This is what you do now. And the master gave the talents. He actually just left and he said, uh, the master seemed to indicate that it was perfectly acceptable for him to give the talents and to expect growth. Wow. I want to tell you, God has given you talents. He's wanting you to grow. It's perfectly acceptable for the master to expect you to grow and develop But you know the wonderful thing is that when the master came back, he rewarded those who grew. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But he did also say to the one who only came back with that one talent, he said, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. We don't want that to be said of us, child of God. We want Father God to say, well done. 
You have been growing and you have been thriving. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, would you please say this after me? Father God will reward me as I pursue spiritual growth. Can you say amen? And also, just lastly in this point, to say this, it's on your screen, churches can create environments that are conducive to growth, but at the end of the day, the individual has to choose to grow. For example, this year, for those listening to this program, we've been reading through the whole New Testament as a church this year, and as such, as a congregation, we created an environment that was conducive to growth. But at the end of the day, Each person had to make it happen, and they had to choose to be disciplined and to grow. Are you with me, church? Amen. Point number five, the last one, which is a brief one. The more you grow, the more useful you become to the master. Please say that with me out aloud. The more you grow, the more useful you become to the master. I want to tell you something that I saw in my dad's life. The thing that brought my dad the greatest, greatest joy was being useful to the master. I can say to you with all honesty, the thing that brings me the greatest, greatest joy is being useful to the master. Sometimes I get on my knees before the Lord and I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And you know what? When you and I are used by God... It is the most fulfilling thing. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's the most incredible thing. And referring back to our main text, it says in 2 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, the more you grow, we're talking about keep on growing like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Now, I want to jump to a last scripture. It is in 2 Timothy. You can bring it up onto the screen. It's 2 Timothy 2 verse 21 in the Good News Bible. And here it is referring to you and I, those that are busy growing in God, those that are busy being sanctified. It says of you and me, they, that's us, will be used for special purposes because they are dedicated and useful to their master, ready to be used for every good work. And so I want to say to you, child of God, my closing statement is this, keep on growing child of God. Keep on growing child of God. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Keep on growing child of God and you will be useful to the master. May I invite you to stand as we pray. Father, how we love you. You found us, Lord. You rescued us. You saved us. You crowned us with your loving kindness. We will not forget that you have cleansed us from all that sin and junk. And Lord, we say yes to growing in you.
we say yes, Lord. Lord, for those of us that have maybe stagnated, we say sorry, Lord. We choose in our hearts deep within that we will grow under the grace of your hand. And we say, here we are, Lord, use our lives. Make me a vessel. Make us useful. Make me a vessel. Make us a ves vessels of honor unto your name. Because we're not living for ourselves, but for Christ Jesus. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.